Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. The topic is touching our present and future generations by developing our legacies as men and fathers. How do we touch the present and future generations by developing our legacies as men and as fathers? Every single human being leaves a legacy. Everybody, and maybe we need to define, we need to define legacy. But everyone leaves something behind him or her. It is impossible for anyone to pass on and not leave something behind him or behind her. Now, we can determine what we want to leave, or we can just live our lives and hope that things fall together. Are you there? Are you there? Um, this, this question is hard for me now, but I'm gonna try. We buried Pastor Hyacinth yesterday. And I'm gonna ask these brothers in three sentences, what do, you, what do you consider part of her legacy to be? Anybody? What do you consider part of her legacy to be? She was the pastor here for 40 years. Consistency. Nick, go ahead. You got a mic right behind Consistency, Bishop. Consistency. Anyone else? Okay, that's fine. Consistency. Yeah. I could answer that. I think that Pastor Hyacinth was Christ-like. Christ the most Christ-like person I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Who else? Love for Christ. When I first came here, I was kind of lost, and she told me, "Don't be lost. Just sit down and listen." <laughs> and I went to the seminary, uh, seminary, so I'm thankful for that. She says, "Just sit down and listen." <laughs> That's the way to stay from being lost. Anyone else? Anyone else? She was a real lady, virtue, vision. I really marvel at how she had the understanding of God and wisdom of people and understanding how to make it all come together that you feel you could do anything in Christ. Can you hear? Can you hear over here? Are you hearing over there? Yes. Go ahead. Anyone else? Excellency. Excellency. She intentionally poured into her children and children's children. And she intentionally poured into our lives through discipleship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She had a lasting impact on the women of the 
gave Deb and myself a picnic basket. And one weekend, my wife packed up my clothes, packed up my picnic basket, and took me to a hotel. So that generosity uh, was beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Pastor, 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 only Pastor, pa Pastor Bob, only three sentences. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Who else? Who else? One, one centered around motherly compassion, um, with a sense of uh, eloquence yeah. and the way she carried herself, and also the way she communicated. Okay. Anyone else? A great shopper. A great one? Shopper. My wife and I met Bishop and Pastor Hyerson. I forget what all, but shoppers recognize I, I just went to drop her off. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to drop her off. That was it. <laughs> Pastor Hyerson recognized my wife, and them two both went to the shoe department, the shoe section. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else? Anybody else? How do you how do you define legacy? How do we define the word legacy? Anybody? Legacy is something that is passed down from your parents, your preachers, and people in your life. And again, that's not only a, a, a monetary thing, but it, uh, it's also a, a, a um, I don't know how to put this, but a, something that they pass down from them that's in them. For instance, I was, uh, my legacy that came down to me from my family was uh, uh, the church that I grew up in, in Amber. Okay, anyone else? What's the legacy? Okay. Legacy uh, to me is, is not what you read for somebody, but it's what you read in somebody. Hmm. Wow. Not what you read for somebody, but you read for some instant. your legacy is, you may not even know. Someone's watching you. How you're living, how you're fighting, how you struggle, and how you go through your challenges. I want to point out something. Um, what's your name, sweetheart, with the cameras? What's your name? Huh? Lauren. 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 And, and how old are you? How much? Ten. Ten. This church is depositing a legacy in her life. Amen. 
she will tell her children and her grandchildren she was 10 when she was operating the cameras at New Covenant Church of Philadelphia in a Sunday morning service. And she will grow up with that consciousness and that experience will develop more and more because the earlier we can expose them to possibilities, the better. You're 10. I became a pastor's help when I was 11. And I was preaching up a storm at 12. So thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. Here's my next question for the team here. What do you see as the difference, if there is a difference, between legacy and destiny? And, and how is the one connected to the other? You gave him the mic, right? The difference between what's the connection between legacy and destiny, and what's the difference between legacy and destiny? I believe that your legacy gets married to your destiny by the things that you don't know. You don't know what your destiny may be. You may have a preconceived idea. God has a, a, a walk for you, but you have to have the ability to want to strive want to learn and want to complete something and I believe that will marry your legacy because it's through a relationship. Did you hear those three sentences? <laughs> Go ahead. I was, uh, I was watching a TV program. Come out that, right? TV program. On Sunday mornings, right? And, 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 <laughs> and what they described as legacy, he said that it was, it's a mirror that's turned on us. And what that means, we have to have self-reflection and uh, do a self-assessment of where we are. And if you use love of Christ as a benchmark, <laughs> then we can self-reflect and see what our destiny is and will continue to be. One of the reasons why I'm suggesting that we try to capture the content of our thought into three sentences, our wives like that. <laughs> our wives like that, as opposed to three pages. Uh, being as precise as we possibly could to make sure that what we're saying, what we're thinking, is clearly heard and understood. And I appreciate what we're doing. Go ahead, Deacon. Three sentences. Can't hear you. My mother left me legacy by her diligence. My destiny is connected to my legacy from mom and can be read by all of them. Hmm. 
Very good. Minister Howe? A legacy is being willing to commit truth and love in a relationship with another that they accept and transfer to another. Destiny is when you are connected with God for love and truth, and then His purpose is accomplished to you. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Yes, go ahead. Who has the mic? Who has a hand? I want to respond to that. I was saying, to me, destiny is how you live your life, and legacy is how people appraise the life you live. That's how I define it. Okay. Mike, over here. Over here. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think that, uh, bring the mic up. Yes, just one minute. One minute, one minute please. One minute. Someone, could someone clarify that, please? What did he say? No, I, I want someone to clarify it, to, to make clear. is what you've done. I just want to say something that kind of agrees with that. Our legacy is behind us. Destiny is before us. Legacy follows, but destiny must be pursued. You know, Pastor Bob? That was so profound, you ought to become the pastor of this church. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else? Destiny and legacy. Whether I understand it or understood it or not, legacy is a generational experience. And destiny is a God-driven experience. <laughs> These folks are getting so deep on me, I don't know. <laughs> That's great. That's good. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. The, uh, the link between the, the legacy and destiny is in the, uh, the knowledge that we found out, and this came from you, Bishop Grant, in 1995. He preached a message called Chosen for Blessings. Mm -hmm. And put the mic closer. Okay. And in that message, you know, you, you know, I, I, but I got this link to an eternal God 
chose me. You know, and uh, keep in And in that in that process, you know, I got linked to something. He said that all spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings in you are yours in Christ Jesus. Nobody never told me that. The Bible, the Bible, the, the Bible talks about, was, was someone going to say something? Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, my thought about it is destiny is kind of like a, a journey that you take, <clears throat> and on that journey, you leave landmarks, notes, little things, and that's a little bit of your legacy. So when people follow your journey to your destiny, Oh, this is like, oh, he messed up here. This is why I need to be different. Um, or this is where he succeeded. This is why I need to do as well. So. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good, man. I tell you. Go ahead. One last thought. No, it, it may not be the last, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny is given to us by God when he says, I know the plans that are happening. Your legacy is yet you pursue it with all your passion and might, even to your third and fourth generation, so they will see what God has done in you and what they can do for themselves. Hmm. Great. Here, here's a passage in Scripture. Um, but God knows the end from the beginning. Yes. You believe that? Then if you believe that, then you have to go one step further, that God knows your end from your beginning. Yes. Right? Mm. If God knows your end from your beginning, where is his focus? You. Hmm? You. No, where? Where is his focus? If he knows your end from the beginning, where is his focus? Where is his present focus? All over. He sees everything. He knows everything. But he doesn't focus on everything. Ah, So, help me out. Where is his focus? The end. He sees the end from the beginning. So, where is his focus? Hmm? He's focusing on your ending. Your what? On your ending or who you're going to be when you have. If I can say what legacy is, legacy is sitting right here before you. The men of God. The destiny is where we're going to end up at as men of God. My grandmother left a legacy in me of good work ethics. My uncle left a destiny in me as who I should be and where I should be. Anyone else? He knows the end from the beginning. And I asked the question in the light of that, where is his focus? Where is his focus? I was in Go ahead. Go ahead. I would say God is always in everything. Um, 
Love so you can hear you. God is not so, it's not so much concerned about the past, but uh, concerned about where we are going. So that's why I said he's involved in our lives every single day. He is involved in our lives every single day, but where is his focus? Present. I would say, Bishop, that. Um, if God knows our end and He wants, where is God's focus if He knows that end? I believe God's focus is to help us to get to the end, but in order to do that, we must stay in His presence. Okay. Stay in His presence okay. so that we can get to the end that He so desires for us to get to. Minister Hal, did you have your hand up? What's that? The Bible says that now is the appointed time. It says, be still and know that I am God. So our knowing him now allows us to reach the end that he has for us. Okay. He knows the end. He knows your end. By the way, how long did he know your end? From the beginning. From the beginning. From the beginning. That's how long he knew your end. From the beginning. He knew your end from, huh? Before what? While we were in, in go ahead. Where God says before we were in the womb, he knew us and ordained us. And so he knew the beginning even before we began on the earth. The beginning began. But we must work it out by mm -hmm. seeking, mm -hmm. by loving him. Sometimes it requires us to obey him, despite all circumstances, even when we are down. Okay. If God knows our end, by the way, um, if God knows our end from the beginning, then how does God process all the challenges and difficulties and disappointments that we face during our daily living. How does God process that? Are you still with me? Yeah, what was the question? If God knows our end from the beginning, how does God process the variety of experiences and challenges and difficulties that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis? Loudly so they can all hear you. The Bible says it's in him that we live and move and have our being. So, so as I look at my journey, I'm, I'm conscious of the ebb and flows. And because he's with me, I rely on his promises. He will never leave me or forsake me. So it's my dependence, full dependence on him. <laughs> Period. <laughs> That's a good man. You see that? Thing? 
But I thought it said Minister Hal did not ring the bell, or did he? Because <laughs> that's his friend, you see. God knows, God knows our end from the beginning. God, God knew my end from the beginning. Um, I got saved at age 11 in a vacation Bible school. I'm committed to vacation Bible schools because that's when I came to accept the Lord as my savior. Prior to that, I was Roman Catholic, and they never taught me about accepting the Lord as my savior. They just signed the cross, you know? So when I, when I entered into a relationship with the church, and I was uh, introduced to accepting the Lord as my savior, it made a significant difference in my life. And, and the pastor who led me to the Lord, the pastor who led me to the Lord, became my friend. Became my friend. And then I, begot, I became very involved in the work of the church. I mean, I was there Sunday morning for Sunday school and, and then morning service and six o'clock for youth fellowship and 7.30 for evening service. My whole life was church. And I was put out of our home because my, my mother thought I had no ambition. The only thing I'm thinking about is church, church, church. For a number of years, I was not just disappointed, but angry that I found myself being homeless at age 14. I was angry. And then a few years ago, I had a, a total change in my concept in my, in my understanding of God. And I began to realize it was not my mother who put me out. God shared in that. God was present when my mother put me out and God shared in that decision. Because if it were not, that, if it not, if it were not for that decision, I wouldn't be the man I am today. And so if God knows our end from our beginning, he is involved in every item of our being, even the things we think are the devil. See, we blame the devil for too many things. Even the things we think is the devil, but where is God? When the devil is doing all this work, where is God? God is right there because he's everywhere and in everything at every time. And when, when, when we capture that consciousness, then we stop blaming. Are you there? We stop blaming. I have a, I'm, well, I basically lost my vision in my, um, in my left eye because of the many times I was cuffed in my face by my mother. Um, and that was part of the, that was part of the Calvary. But I also have to realize, in all of that, I was her last child, and she could have stopped me from coming, but chose not to. Are you there? Yes, sir. She could have stopped me from coming, but chose not to. So that we have to begin to look at all of our circumstances and see God at work. He has to be at work if he's God. Yes. There is nowhere he can be absent if he's God. 
because God is God and he's, he's, he's present everywhere and he's all powerful in every situation. So we have to come to a new perception of who God is and how he works and how he's working with each of us. And the things we don't yet understand, I use the word yet, the things we don't yet understand, he can bring us to an understanding of them and to, and to, and to communicate that he is everywhere. God is every, do you believe God is everywhere? Amen. Yes, in everything. See, if, if we capture that, that God is everywhere in everything, then we'll, we'll, we'll be more conscious of saying, okay, God, I don't know, I may not know to handle this, but you can help me handle this. Because you are in everything and you're everywhere. And you are determining my destiny. My destiny, my destiny, he's determining that. I, I, just, I just want us as brothers to think about how do we th follow through with these concepts and decide what, what do we leave for the present and future generation? What wisdom do we leave for them? What wisdom do we leave for them? Yeah, uh, there's some things money can't buy. You may leave a lot of money, but they're gonna blow it. They're gonna blow it. How do we, how do we impart wisdom and friendship and connections and relationships? That's what is needed. That's what is needed. And we as brothers and as men, and I'm not deliberately leaving out the ladies. I'm not deliberately leaving out the ladies. I'm just deliberately leaving out the ladies. <laughs> but, but as men, this is Father's Day. This is Father's Day. How do we as men and fathers look at fathering as, an, as a full-time job? as a full-time job, as a full-time job. How do we... Um, yesterday, oh yes, I was here yesterday, and I made a statement. I said there were three words I never heard in my home in reference to me. Mm. Three words, never. Not from my mother, not from my father. And those three words were, I love you. Never heard it. Never, never, never heard it. But I heard it at church. And that's why I became committed. Because the youth of the church and the members of the church took an interest in me. An interest. And how do we as fathers communicate first in language, in relationships, in interest to the ones in our lives, how do we communicate I love you? And if I love you, what does that love look like? What does that love? Um, Bishop, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna draft you. <laughs> this is our guest, this is our guest. Would you wanna make a comment about that? What does that love look like? 
Is the mic on? Can y'all hear me? One of the most important things that I've been able to experience in my life is the love of God. And what I've learned is that the love of God must be spread throughout my life, through every facet of my life, through every opportunity. I receive the love of God and I give it back. That is part of, as you said, my mm -hmm. legacy. I want to talk about inheritance, if I can. Go ahead, go ahead. Inheritance is a gift. And it is a gift that is given. Just like love is a gift. Just like anointing is a gift. Just like healing is a gift. And so, as the Bible says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And so, brothers, as I sit here before you today, I'm reminded that as good men, you must leave an inheritance for your children's children. Amen? Let, let, me, let me pick up on that. Let me pick up on that. Thank you very much. Leave an inheritance for your children's children, which is sort of different from how we have been programmed. Um, we've been programmed that we ought to leave something for our children. The scripture says we leave something for our children's children. We leave something for our children's children, that they need to grow up standing on a foundation that grandparents left for them. And um, if they don't feel a sense of love and being wanted, then whatever is that package doesn't, doesn't mean very much. Yeah? Doesn't mean very much. Any, any comments on that? Good. Well, Bishop, I, I believe that you have to be determined and be on point, be on purpose. If you're going to leave something back for your children, you got to start planning early. You got to, I don't care what's in your way, you got to be motivated to get it done. And to do that, we have to be there. But to, to what extent are we as men trained to do that? To what extent are we trained to leave something for our children's children? Is, well, that, is that part of our culture? Bishop, you told us on Arley Street how to buy a house. <laughs> I'm sitting here with you now on three. And Home because three. of the lessons you and Pastor Hyerson taught me back then, also I got here, I was married, I'm married now because of the legacy and because of the lessons you taught back then on purpose, all these men here, all these people here, I can't point you all out, but you helped me to be where I am today. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yes, yes. go ahead. One of the things that I, I've got in, in God, is love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the essence of love for my 
belief system and experience now is love is intentional. God, you mean love is not accidental? It's not accidental. Hmm. It's intentional. God so loved the world that he gave. Because of man's fall, out of his love for humankind, he says, I'm going to redeem you by sending you my most valuable, my precious. So that in trying to monitor that, model that, intentionality in men, being intentional about the things that I do, how I uh, keep my word, because God honors his word above his name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad, Minister, how to rock the bell. <laughs> That's why I hand it off. I hand it off. He asked another question? You asked him another question while he was speaking. Oh, I see. Okay, fine. fine. You got a pass. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me turn to the audience. Since we have a... Pardon me, go ahead. But it looks like... See, God's love... We always say that, but you have to know God's love is through people. His love comes through people. Now, I stays out in the open, in nature. When I hear birds sing, or I feel the warmth of the sun on my face, even the cold rain on my back, that's God's love. It's a broad love for all of us, not just for some of us, for everyone. It's a general love that he gives us. But he give us most love to those who honor him the most through his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, yesterday I came out of our front door. I was walking from the front door towards the back. And, um, and this bird um, began to like circle around my head. And um, I was concerned, you know. And then I realized that she had a nest in the tree with her little ones. And she was making sure that her little ones were protected from me. She was, she was trying to protect her little babies from this monster who she thought was coming her way. And um, I thought, if people can capture that, what would life be like? If we can have a church that develops, develops a solid, real interest in children, that develops an interest in children. Um, hmm. I'm going to make a statement. I think I'll not make it because I don't want to be misunderstood. But leadership, leadership, leadership is relationships. And where there's no relationships, there's no solid leadership. Leadership is relationships. You know, I come in here and these little kids come and give me a hug. Why? Because we've built a relationship. I have, I have pictures of them. I take pictures of them. I have them. Relationship. They love me and I love them. Because what? We have been intentional. Because that's what they'll remember. Gonna, they will not remember a single sermon I preach. They'll say, oh man, that was a dynamic sermon. What was it about? Oh, it was great. 
especially when Pastor Bob preaches it. <laughs> but but it's, it's not the sermon that they'll remember. It's the relationships we've built and how we've touched their lives and how many pictures we've taken with them. And then we can send to get their names and their phone numbers and, and send a picture to them so they can have in there. Could, could, just imagine kids having cell phones. How many of you had cell phones when you were eight or nine? <laughs> what? How about 50? How about 50? <laughs> but they, they, they have cell phones. And they can take pictures on their cell phones. And we need to encourage that. Because that's how relationships are built and sustained. And when we as a church um, are not as busy to just focus on ourselves, and we can focus on this child. Uh, as soon as I came in, as soon as I came in this morning, I pointed her out. Because 60 years from now, she'll remember that. And by the end of this service, she and I are gonna have a picture at her camera. And she can tell her grandchildren. She will show her grandchildren because somebody made a decision to recruit her. And that's the beginning of a relationship. Yes. She, she knows more about that camera than I do. So let me ask a question then. How do we, how do we go about building those important relationships in the lives of children and the lives of adults? Now, hold it. We've reached the point in our society where adults and parents are afraid for other folks to build relationships with their children. Are you there? Yeah. They're afraid, they're afraid. That's the culture, they're afraid. But how do we invest? And that's the word, invest. How do we invest? in the lives of children. Because if you invest, you'll have, you, you will have interest and profitability. If you, you, can, you can have all of your money in a checking account and a bank, but you haven't made a penny. Are you there? Why? Because checking accounts don't give any interest. The bank just use your money until you're ready for it. But how do, we, how do we invest in the lives of children so that that investment counts over the years and over the decades? How do we do that? And that is something that we have to, we have to think about as a church, investing so that um, I was coming in the door the other day, and as soon as I opened that door, this little child pulled off her, her coat and ran, ran and hugged me. And so I gave somebody my camera to take a picture. You know? How do they care enough to care about us? And how do we care about, enough to, for them to care? Okay, I'm looking at my time. Any questions? Any questions from the team here or from the audience? Mm -hmm. Who is that? Huh? Questions? Oh, yes, go ahead. Time, um, a lot of time, a lot of encouragement, 
in, in, in different moments when I needed it. Um, they were intentional about it. So it wasn't like when times when I wasn't contacting a certain person or my mentors, they would be contacting me, just checking in. How are you doing? How's this? They would remember, you know, things that I've said to them. Oh, how's that going? How's that job search going? Um, how's the job going? Things like that. So it, it made me feel that like, oh, so this person actually cares about my daily life and my daily walk the way that I'm walking. Um, they care about where I'm going care about like me right now. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, very good, very good. What questions, what questions do you want to ask me so I can get Pastor Bob to answer them? <laughs> 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 what well, questions? In my life, uh, you can talk to some school teachers and they'll tell you that it's the landscape of dealing with children has changed. Yes, yes. So, do you find it's important that we adapt to a level of change in terms of dealing with what we expect? Um, and using that word, respect is lost. And so somewhere along the line, we have to change to the degree to reach. Would you agree with that? What's your thoughts on sure. what's happening? Sure, we have to change. We have to change. We have to change to bring about change. We have to change to bring about change. But as you, were, as you were speaking, I thought, what about the New Covenant and different groups that we have which sponsor a number of public schools and seek to show interest in the faculty, build a relationship with the faculty, show interest in the children. Is that a possibility? Because if we can minister to them where they are, and if we can show caring where they are, I think the possibility of their responding might be greater. Any questions from the audience? Can I ask a question? Yes. Okay. Uh, I just want to go back a little bit to what we discussed. God knowing. I can't. I can't. God knowing. Yes, God, God knows the end from the beginning. Uh, this question I always ask, does everybody get to the end that God intended? Well, I, okay, I, I missed something there. I say, does everybody get to the end that God intended? Does everyone get to the end that God intended? Yes. Yeah, you have an answer? You have an answer? Yes. No. No, I mean, I'm, I was about to say that there are so many young kids being killed out. I know it cannot be the will of God. God knows because he's God. He has to know. There can't, there can't be anything that God doesn't know. It would, it would disqualify him from being God. Yeah. So he knows the end from the beginning. And um, he is working with us in the process because he knows the end he wants for us. He knows the end he's taking us to. And we're the ones who have to cooperate with him. Because he, he, he knows what he's, good, what he's doing. And, and he knows the power, the creative 
power of pain. The creative power of pain. Mm. Um, I have, um, I saw Pastor Heisen suffer. She wasn't just sick. She suffered in pain, in pain, in pain. And um, when she passed away last week, I thank God that he delivered her from the suffering of pain. And, and, and that deliverance has helped me in terms of how I process this loss because he has, he has delivered her. See, the, the challenge was that her heart had stopped several times one day. And even though the heart was kind of repaired, it was incapable of pumping blood to all parts of her body. And those parts of her body that were not getting enough blood were sending a message. And the message was pain. Pain. And sometimes in our lives, there are parts of our lives that are sending messages of pain because it's not getting enough for the spiritual blood and the relationships and the trust. One of the things I, I'm sorry about, I'm really, really sorry about, is that, and Pastor, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry about that we can get up at the end of the message bring our offerings and leave because we've just robbed ourselves of fellowship. Yes, sir. And fellowship means hanging around yeah. with some of the people around you and say, how are you doing, girl? How is everything? Good, sir. But just to come in and walk out, we're losing part of worship because worship includes fellowship. Yes. Amen. Yes, sir. Fellowship. We can go back to our seats we can talk to our friends, because you can't, you can't talk to your friends during a message, unless I'm the one preaching. <laughs> but, but, but you've built relationships. You have friends in this church, and you need to touch bases with your friends after the service. So don't just rush out. Come back to your seats. Talk to the person next to you. How are you doing? I'm good. You're good, you're good. Build the relationships. Because relationship building was one of Pastor Hyacinth's strong points. Strong points, strong points. Don't just rush away. Yes, go ahead. You have a mic? From the beginning. No, 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 God knows our end from, from our beginning. So God knows our end from our beginning. That's right. Do we really have free will? Do, do you really have what? Free will. Free will, yes. Yes, excellent question. Excellent question. Pastor, you want to answer that? Yeah. Yeah, you pass over the mic, please. Excellent question. 
Do we have, do we have freedom? That's the question. Free will. Free will. Yeah, the only reason I want to answer this is because I promise you, 10 minutes ago, in my spirit, I was pondering a question that came to me. Can I stand, Bishop? Mm -hmm. Sure, come right up. It came to me about 20 years ago from a very educated person, a medical doctor, who I was witnessing to, and I spoke to him, and he said, predestination is not fair. He said, how can a loving God choose some over others? That's not right. And I thought about it, and the verse that you brought up before about God knowing the beginning from the end, or the end from the beginning, Paul says, who he foreknew, foreknew. he predestined. Because he foreknew me and you, he knows who's going to obey and who's going to disobey. I like that. So I have, I have free will, but he knows if I'm going to wake up tomorrow and backslide. You might be shocked, but God won't. But the, the, the key is who he foreknew, he also foreordained and predestined to be the sons of God. So all of us, even though God loves the world, it's those who obey him and abide in him. Abide in me and I in you. You can ask what you will. But without me, you can do nothing. We have free will. God is fair. God is righteous. He's a righteous judge. He's just. So we will do it his way or suffer the consequences. I just want to thank the pastor for those three sentences. <laughs> excellent, excellent. He knows, he knows the end from the, from the beginning. Um, and he does, not, he does not predestine our end in a very contrary way. But he knows the choices we will make. He knows the choices we will make, and he knows where those choices will lead us. Now, most of you are parents. You do that to your children. You tell them, look, if you do this, this is going to happen. You're not, you're not making it happen. You're just telling them what will happen if you make this choice or make that decision. Any, any other questions from the audience? Any questions? Oh, yes, yes. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Could you get a mic, please? I said, not a question, but a testimony. I tried to make it brief because I told a long But I am standing before you to give your retreat as a legacy of my mother and father. Okay, I can't. I can hear you, but I can't understand. Is it possible for you to get a different mic so, I, so we, can, we can understand what is being said? Is that possible? I stand here in loving memory of my parents, Reverend and Mrs. James Franklin of 15th Street Baptist Church, 29th Street at Rodney Southern, Philadelphia. My uh, testimony is that they left their legacy in me. The church that they go, the fellowships that they have, 
No, 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 but I have to give other people an opportunity, you know, because um, you've had a number of sentences. Okay. But did you have a specific question? Not a question, but two scriptures came to me that you asked about determining, I'm not going to predestination. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, after the session, you can talk but to Okay, after the session, you can talk to me directly. Okay. Perfect, perfect. Any other question or comment from the, from the congregation? Yeah. Where, where are you? Where are you? In the back bench. We're in the back bench. Okay. Okay, great. Fantastic. My name is Brother Michael McCall, and uh, one thing I love about, you know, Bishop what you were saying is that uh, God knew us Looking the time, any of the brothers have to go ahead. I just want to say something concerning <coughs> free will and something we should say concerning offering and having to leave. That's one side. The other side is, is that you can, which is something I strive to do, is get here early on Sunday mornings, around 8.30, and then I try and greet certain individuals just to communicate um, have some laughter. That's something that and when offering comes, and I'm, I'm okay. I come and take my offering, and I can go because I've already fellowship with some of the, the uh, members. Being intentional, yes. Okay. Anyone? Any other brothers? Anyone? Any? Go ahead. Oh. Who? We're talking about free will. Okay. Yes. Um, at present, we've got a mandate, um, and our mandate is to go. 
Um, when, when, when you say, the whole issue for me is, what is my identity? And if my identity is in Christ, you know, it's my life, does my life belong to me? So if he says go, then I must go. Um, if I contemplate, well, you know, what do I want to do? You know, if it's in him I live, the movement have I my being. My life belongs to him. I've been purchased with a price. It's no longer me. So when I hear the mandate to go, um, I've experienced some of, even the prayer station. The prayer station is, is opportunity for the Christ in me to be shown, an act of obedience. Now, am I limited to that space? No. I have neighbors. I have family. So the whole notion, one of the, one of the things why we meet on Saturday is that we must decrease so that he can increase, that I disappear and Christ shows up. Amen. Our mantra is the paralytic. We go out in obedience and intentionally to grab someone who can't even come in the midst. And as a result, that person comes to Christ. You say, what is the will of God for that paralytic? There was four men who were intentional. Don't preach it. Don't preach it. Don't preach it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no more <laughs> But really, sincerely, the whole thing, our identity, is, is something that we really need to resolve. And I keep on thinking about me, and, and, and he said, if you're going to reign with them, we've got to suffer with them. Yeah. Let me stop. You know, this, this whole question. Bishop, can I just say, you, you, you mentioned about we have any. Who's that? But we haven't even asked comments. And I, I just wanted to say that I, I want to thank you for the comment you shared about your, your father and your mother never used the word love. I remember when I came to Arby Street, uh, when, when we had the church at Arby Street, and I remember my father never hugged me, he never shared the word love. And it wasn't until when I came to Arby Street Church when folks began to love me and greet me and hug me and share the love of God with me that I was able to take that back home and leave a legacy to my children. I, and I remember when I went back one day and went to hug my father, it was hard for him to hug me because mm -hmm. he never did that. Yeah, um, yeah. And, but because the church is so important, yes. especially when it comes to fathers, to show that love to their children. Yes. So I have my young son here with me, and he can tell you, I hug him, even I kiss him sometimes because <laughs> I love him that much. And I love my children. <laughs> And I have no problem in hugging. So as, as men, we must demonstrate that love to our yes. children. That's what God Let me wrap so this thank up. You, Let me wrap this up. So the time is still. One minute. One minute. Pardon me? I wish to thank you so very much who, who is speaking? for allowing me to see honorable men, caring men, who are concerned with the church, the people of the church. I remember and had a, a relationship with Pastor Heisen. My relationship only lasted a few seconds each time I saw her. She had an infectious smile. Anyone that ever spoke to her, you saw that infectious smile. You couldn't help but smile with her. You saw the caring and the love and the smile. That's her legacy. That's one of her legacies that I can attest to. What I'd like you all to know, because you're honorable men, 
you're upright men, and you want what's right for families and the church. But there's some things going on now that demands honorable men to stand up to. Women are concerned about them, not only themselves, but their children, what they're being taught, how they're being treated, what they're being exposed to. Not only that, women are concerned because we know you are the providers and the protectors. So okay. we come to you for provision, understanding, and protection. The things that are going on in this world now, we are not in agreement with a lot of them. And I fight. Okay, now I have to wrap up. Any way up I can, but I'm asking you to make provisions for females. Let me ask a question. Let me ask a question. Um, has this been a meaningful process to you? And let me finish with a final idea. We talk about faith. Faith, faith. But there's a lot of things faith cannot do. Faith alone cannot do as much as you think. Because faith, working faith, is married to courage. Courage. We have a lot of faith, but where's the courage? The risk-taking, the risk-taking faith involves courage. I remember when Pastor Heisen, in seeking the mortgage for this campus, when we were trying to buy it, went to the bank, one bank, and she showed him the map of the campus to get a mortgage, and the gentleman said to her, if we give you a mortgage, what will you do when you lose the campus? Because in his mind, we couldn't own something like this and keep it. And so she said, thank you, and she walked out. She went to another bank. And then when we did get the mortgage, she went back to the first bank and showed him the paper. The paper was signed and the ink was dry. So it's one thing to have faith, but it has to be risk-taking faith. Risk-taking. Because that is, the, that is the test of true faith. I see a hand, I'm gonna wrap this up now. Go ahead. Yeah, uh-huh. The mic. Can I just say, as he's getting ready, thank you men for adopting the schools. The children in schools are longing to see men, to hear the voices of men, to feel the touch of men, and to be cared for and protected by men. Even if you go once a month or once a year, it's a big deal. They really love to see you. Thank you so much. Go ahead, brother. Put the mic up. Put the mic up there. I feel like families, as a father, the families are being attacked. Um, I know in my experience, my family's being attacked. Um, I feel like I've always been there to do everything. I didn't grow up with my dad, so I did everything myself. 
And it's really hard for me not to uh, interject, try to fix it when there's a problem. Um, and I feel I'm at this place where I don't know how to do that anymore, because nobody's listening. I feel like everything's separated or it's apart. Family, I'm talking family, 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 but families seem to be getting further and further apart. How do you, as a father, trust God to do what he's saying he's going to do? but you can't seem to stop yourself from trying to do it yourself. I would, I would think, I would think, that's one of the reasons why we have these brothers up here, because we meet on Saturday mornings from seven to nine on the phone. And I don't miss it. I really don't miss it. Um, I, try, I try not to miss it. There were, there were several Saturdays when my wife was so ill that I have to take care of her. But normally I don't miss it because it builds me up. The, the fellowship and the relationship yes. and the sharing yes. helps me. And I want to encourage Deacon Blackstock. I'll see him afterwards. You'll see him afterwards. But there's so many other men you have to see afterwards. Okay. <laughs> so you, you need to get the credentials. Okay. Um, we, we need you with us on the phone because it's informative, it's educational, it's relationship building, it's powerful to be part of something that is as dynamic as this. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. Don't turn it off, just. Oh, this young man over here. Yes. I can't hear. Will you come out a little bit so I can? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, in Okay, I heard, but I didn't understand the question. What, what, what was the question? Or is it a comment? Who, who can help me? I can say So in our everyday relationships with our parents. The everyday relationships with parents and the like. How do we continuously steward God in those relationships when society constantly distracts us and tries to throw things at us to get us off that course? How do you maintain the relationships with all the distractions? That's the problem. I might be a translator for this young man. How do I overcome the culture that is constantly running after me and maintain closeness to God? Well, you cannot. You cannot overcome that culture by yourself. You have to build the relationships with the brothers because all of us are in the process of accomplishing that objective. And you can learn from our strengths. Hmm? You can learn from our failures. And, um, and, and it can be a roadmap for you. Can I, can yes. I try, can I try yes. I'd like to say that um, I'd like to piggyback on the quote that Bishop made about a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I'd like to piggyback on that and say that there's a quality of care that needs to touch this young man that you experienced when in your family there was a cutoff 
You didn't experience the parenting at home. And in many of our homes right now, there's a cutoff in our homes. And there, our children are naked right now. And many of them are vulnerable to the culture that is really decimating them right now. I, I can say more about the time. So I'm going to commend the pastor who pastored you, but he did, in obedience to the verse, that he committed to you not only to walk with you till you mature, but until you were pouring into others. That's a, a good man leaves an inheritance to the children and the children's children. That I call a repeated relationship. It's a repeated relationship that we as men, I believe, I call it, that's a discipleship. That's what Jesus did with the disciples. I know this is a long time. Hit the bell, hit the bell. <laughs> When we met every Saturday at 7 o'clock, we met right up here before COVID, each and every Saturday morning. And if it wasn't for the men of this panel, I wouldn't be here. Thanks to Minister Howe, he always came here. Come on, brother, come on, be with us, be with us this morning. I said, 7 o'clock, it's too early. Now, after COVID, we was on Zoom each and every Saturday morning. You don't have to get dressed. You don't have to wash your face. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but you be because nobody didn't judge. It, it does help if you. It me. does help if you're dressed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Time is up. Yeah. Yeah. You are. Yes, you. 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 This is your group. Oh wow. Yes. Well, I got a signal. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, we're done. We're done. Um, who's going to benefit? Awesome. Can we give it up for the men? Come on, can we give it up for the men again? Come on, we can do better than that. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.